Let's go ahead, and I just want to pray as we go into our teaching time together. God, you are here with us. God, we, God, we need you. There's a lot of things we can do without, but we cannot do without you. We, we need you. God, so just right now as we come to a time where we look at your word together, God, you, you've been here. You've been praised. God, we just need you to speak to us. God, we need a, we need a word from you. God, we need an anointing from you. God, would the, would the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, God, so that we can hear from you this morning. Thank you for your love and for your grace, and it's because of you that we have gathered here. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One of my favorite activities as a family, that are favorite activity, things that I like to do with my family is make puzzles. If you go into our garage, uh, you will see on our garage wall, we have all kinds of puzzles that we have attempted to preserve to get, together because we just like making puzzles. So one of our favorite uh, just New Year's Eve traditions, we put together the biggest puzzle uh, we can find. My kids, kids I've I've in, planted that into them as well to, to make puzzles. And so now, no matter what size of puzzle you make, whether it's the giant 5,000-piece puzzles or the, the little 30-piece 30, 30 puzzles, 24-piece puzzles that I make with my kids, the one thing rings true. The, the one thing stays in common. And that's when you're trying to figure out what you're trying to make, you're going to go look to the puzzle box, that picture that's on the cover of the puzzle box. That's your reference guide. And so sometimes when we come to things like church or as we look at our lives, it feels like we're trying to put together a puzzle. And we're trying to take pieces of, of maybe showing up on Sunday morning or, or prayer group or, or an event or a Bible study or even in our own life. How, how does job, how does relationships with friends and families, how does that all fit together? and what we're trying to build. And we have all these pieces and parts of church in our lives, and we try to put together this picture of what we would call a successful life. And sometimes we think, we are, we think we're doing well, and other times we aren't really sure of the picture on the puzzle box. Well, what's amazing is God in Scripture has already given us this picture. It comes in the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, our values at Generations Church help transfer what we see in the life of Jesus into your everyday life. So our values at Generations Church help us kind of follow this one rule that whenever you're putting together a puzzle, at least in my household, this is what you do, is you start with the edges. You start with the perimeter. You start with the corners. So when we look at our values at Generations Church, what it's kind of like it, it, is it helps us frame up what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday life. Because when you put these values into practice, you start to get a clearer picture of Jesus. And again, it doesn't mean you have all the answers or you know exactly how it goes. We see that most perfectly in his word is how we see Jesus. But what happens is when we start to live these values, 
we get to see the picture of Jesus more fully in our life. And so today we're going to look at a value called send over stay. Now the way our values at Generations Church are written is their choices. Maybe someone told you when you were growing up, life is about choices. So we have determined that our values are framed as a choice. Last week, Damien did an exceptional job at helping us navigate spirit over self. And how in our everyday life, we want to put spirit over self. So today we're looking at how in our everyday life, we can put send over stay. Now to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Matthew and his story from God's Word. And over Matthew chapter 9, what we're going to see is how Matthew begins to go on a journey with Jesus, but it doesn't stop or conclude with him staying in a location. But we're going to see how his connection with Jesus then launches him, sends him into where he lives and, how, and what that means. So, so I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let's, let me give you the background on Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And he joined Jesus' team a little bit later than all the other disciples. And his experience with Jesus and conversion shaped his whole worldview. Because see, Matthew was someone who was on the outside looking in. He was someone who people pushed to the margins. Who, who, were, who was looked at, I'm not so sure that I want to hang out with you. He's viewed as a traitor. He was a Jewish man serving the wrong king. And any Jewish man who served Rome and Caesar as a tax collector instead of Yahweh was considered a traitor. And we begin in Matthew chapter 9 with Matthew sharing of Jesus' story, about his invitation to follow me. You all are extended that same invitation today. Jesus is inviting you to say, follow me. Come on a journey. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to know exactly where we're going. But come on a journey. And so Matthew chronicles that. And then Jesus invites Matthew in, despite that background that I just shared and social perception. And throughout the chapter, Matthew chronicles how Jesus' authority over everything, both seen and unseen, changes his life. And the religious leaders lose their minds over Jesus displaying grace and communicating truth. And so large crowds begin to gather everywhere Jesus went, trying to figure out what does a clear picture of Jesus look like? Because he invites people from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And in the concluding section of chapter 9, Matthew writes these words. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. As Jesus invites Matthew in, Jesus modeled what it means to live send over stay. And just for clarity, what send over stay is, if you go to our website, mygenerations.church, and click that about link, you'll see our values and our vision. I'm going to reference our website a couple times today. That is our main hub 
for like where you can learn about what we're doing. So Send Over Stay is embodying Jesus by joining God's work in Vancouver, the West, and the world through mobilizing and releasing disciples. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but we're going to break that down. Matthew summarizes this verse in 35 by beginning with the mission. It says, Jesus continued going all around into the towns and villages. Jesus went. Matthew was invited into a relationship with Jesus because Jesus lived life on mission. And Jesus' mission is summed up in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, was to make disciples who make disciples. And Jesus acknowledges he completes this goal in John 17, 4, because he, because he goes to the cross. A disciple is a learner who becomes like what they follow. Let me say that again. A disciple, sometimes we use that in church context without defining it, so let me define that again. A disciple is a learner who becomes like what they follow. In our case, we want to become like Jesus. And so Jesus went places. Now that seems obvious. You're like, yeah, that's what the verse says, Kyle. Like, Jesus went places. But Matthew was with Jesus when he went. As Jesus went, so went Matthew. And the picture sometimes we have in our mind is that Jesus went way across the world. It's, a, it, it's going across the country, some distant land, some different country to, in terms of what it means to follow Jesus. But Jesus ministered the bulk of his ministry around a lake which was only seven miles by 12 miles. You could see from one side to the other. So Jesus was located in an area, in a neighborhood, in towns, in villages that were smaller in terms of geographic acreage than Clark County. And as Jesus went, Matthew went. And the pattern we see in Jesus going and doing was which he brought Matthew along. And that that should be replicated in our lives. So let's not overcomplicate this. We make disciples every day. We make disciples every day. But of what do we make disciples? Or who? See, we coax our children with our food preferences we teach our kids about different hobbies and teams. We, pro- we promote our own brand of mobile devices. Come on, someone in here is going to be like Apple or Android. I know someone's got a, got a preference there. Android. Yeah, yeah, see, see, we're, so, someone's got a, you got a preference, and, and, you, and, you, and you can share why that's your preference with others. The same goes for cars, politics, your brand of coffee. I mean, we could have a big old debate right now between BlackRock, Dutch Bros, Starbucks, I mean, Revive. I mean, I mean, you've got your preference. And how you got to that point was chances are someone said, hey, why don't you try it? Why don't you get started? And then you just kept going. You're like, oh, I like that. You took a little sip of that favorite coffee. And you're like, I'm going to get another. And another led to another until you became addicted and you're there every single day at the same time, every day. Some of you know what I'm saying right there. you you got that same spot that you go to. And whether it was a parent, a grandparent, or a close friend, a preference eventually became a priority. And the same thing is true for us. Because sometimes in church, as we begin to follow Jesus, is people view it as a preference. It's an option that you can opt into or opt out of. 
And the goal is to see following Jesus as going from something you just prefer to do to what's a priority in your life. And for Jesus, bringing Matthew along with him was a priority because he wanted Matthew to experience what it looked like to live in God's world, God's way. And so Matthew began to follow Jesus into the everyday things of life. So the same methodology could be applied to following Jesus. In fact, you guys know what this is like too. Here's an example, so you'll have to bear with me a little bit. Is Jesus in your front pocket or in your back pocket? Here's, Here's what I mean by that. Some of you have one of these floating around in your back pocket or in your purse. It's a wallet. And you only pull your wallet out when you need to pay for something. When you got to pay the bill, the bill comes due, or you got to give someone some money, and so you just pull it out when you need it. In the exchange, Jesus wants to be like this that I happen to have in my front pocket, a cell phone. Because you know when this thing dings, you're pulling it out. You're checking your notification. You're following it. It's your GPS. It's your calendar. It's, it's, your, it's your guidance system. And you know that you live life, in some ways, connected to this. That it's got to lead you, it's got to direct you. But for many of us, especially those who have been following Jesus, we view God like a wallet, where we just pull him out just once in a while when we need him. When we got to pay for a little bit, when we got to do something. But instead, God wants to be more like our cell phone in terms of how it governs and lives our life. He wants to lead. He wants to direct. He wants you to follow. He wants you to be responsive. He wants you to surrender and say, all right, God, I will do what you send me to do. You're tapping me on the shoulder. All right, spend a little more extra time with that person. Go here today instead of there. He wants us to be. He wants us to prioritize him. He wants to go from just a preference and say, yeah, because what happens to preferences, right? People go, oh, that's good for you. That, 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 that's your option. That's your preference. But, but when it goes from preference to priority, we can't help but be connected to Jesus. We have to be responsive to his leading. So we got to go beyond the pulling out kind of the Jesus card, if to stick with the wallet metaphor for a moment, and be like, God, help me. We want God to, to drive and direct. So we're not just praying when we need him, but we're praying all the time, listening and follow. And Jesus went as he was led so he could proclaim. See, Jesus had a message that he shared everywhere he went. He proclaimed the good news of God's authority in word, the teaching and preaching, and action healing. So you see this word and deed. Wherever Jesus went, he, he was something. He embodied God's will and God's way through word and deed. He passed on the knowledge that he had of the kingdom. So again, the kingdom, we see that here in the scriptures. The kingdom means God's ways are lived out in every area of life. It's when God is the boss. It includes all people, all nations, all backgrounds, all walks of life. And if we're honest, we don't like that because we feel like there should be barriers. There should be limits. And we've bought into the lie that it's so much easier for us to put together our lives the way we want them to be put together than actually hear the good news of God being in charge of our lives. And so that's why I mentioned Damien's sermon last week uh, a moment ago. Because he really challenged us to put spirit over self, to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. And that's tough. That's, that's not easy. But the more we say yes to spirit 
And the more that we say no to self, we get to experience a little bit more of heaven. We get to experience a little more of God's kingdom. And we get to experience a little more of God's freedom in our life. Because, see, freedom is not the absence of restrictions. It's the presence of right restrictions that call us to a responsibility. And so throughout the scriptures, we see the religious leaders of the day, they didn't think God's kingdom coming to earth was actually good because they wanted to do things their way. They wanted to have certain lines that they drew. So did the Roman Empire. They didn't want God's way. They liked the concepts. But as they saw it lived out in Matthew's life and they heard the good news, what they saw was Matthew's allegiance changed from Rome to Jesus. And that brought freedom. And so Matthew as he went with Jesus, was able to share the same good news that everybody is welcome in God's kingdom. Everybody is welcome in God's family and invited to submit to his rightful authority. And as the church, we often get caught up on this point that we are actually supposed to share that with others. We share to actually share the good news with others. We get caught up with stumbling over our words or, yeah, Kyle, I'm not you, you're the preacher, you, you can do that, but that's, that's not for me. But the good news is simply, Jesus is Savior and Lord, and I'm on a journey discovering what that's like. And you can share that. And again, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to say the, the perfect words. There's no magical formula that you can say to convince someone. But what you can do is to say, I'm in proximity to Jesus. And I'm going on that journey, and he is changing my life. See, God invites our story to be a part of his story, which changes our lives. And it becomes more than a preference. It's not something we can just opt into and opt out, but it's something that truly drives our lives. And so both Christians and non-Christians in the room and online, the good news is that God himself came from heaven to earth to rescue and renew us through the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This message screams God's love, and he offers a wonderful plan for your life. But sometimes our own sinfulness and our selfishness prevents us from being reconciled to God. Therefore, we cannot know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for our sin. And he says, come on, let's go. I got a journey. I got a plan. You don't have to do this life alone. And we can know God personally and experience God's love and plan. And so each person must receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And then we can experience God's love and plan for our lives. Jesus, as God's agent of restoration, gives people a taste of what it will be like when God's kingdom fully comes in eternal life, when Jesus comes back. And so that's the beautiful picture of the church and why we want to share the good news of God's kingdom. Because it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what, what lines that you've even drawn in your own life, God says, I love you. I went to the cross for you, and I'm coming back for you. So come on, let's do this thing together. And so don't feel like you don't have to know enough. You can share your story with someone else, even if it's just I'm on a journey. Just like Matthew, when Jesus extended that invitation to him, people are eagerly waiting to hear some good news. Come on, I know I can get an amen on that one. you got people in your life who just need some good news. Like, like, like they, they need some hope. They're tired of the division, the strife. You, you know, when you pull out that phone, you look at that social media feed, and you're like, man, again. 
Man, come on. Like, it's, it's like, and you can just open up your mouth and say, there is hope. Hey, and I guess what? I even know a place where people from all different backgrounds and walks of life can come together and lift up one name and be united around one name and one person, and that's Jesus. And we can do that. And the good news is it doesn't have to stop here. We, when we, Jesus invites us onto that journey, it goes from just this one hour a week to trickles out to all the 167 hours in our week. And we begin to see transformation and life change. Sometimes there's another barrier that it feels like, well, I don't really have to share about Jesus. I don't really have to share about what it looks like to be part of a family, uh, of coming together. Because people, of course, already know that. But let's just be honest. A statistic that is just so daunting and just, and just drives me crazy because I want it to change is that 90% of people in Clark County have no relationship with Jesus Christ or a church. It means 9 out of 10 people you encounter on the street are not connected to a forever family called the church and to Jesus who is it, wants to be their Savior and Lord who gave up His life for them. So Oswald J. Smith said it like this, we talk of a second coming which is going to happen, which we should look forward to but half of the world hasn't heard about the first coming. Let's open up our mouths. Let's be moved to live on mission and share the message because living on mission without a shared Savior, a gospel proclamation is a failed mission. So let us live on mission with a powerfully transforming message. So as Jesus went, he did and said, he also saw. Jesus didn't merely look at people he noticed them. His full attention was on them. If we look at the passage, when, when he sees this crowd of people, it says they were dis- he says it was like they were distressed and dejected, like sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion for them. Jesus has compassion for you. He loves you. He sees you. He sees the weariness in your eyes sometimes. He sees the discouragement. He sees the longing. He also sees the joy and wants to celebrate with you. When life is good, he's like, man, I'm there with you to celebrate. You you know what this personally feels like when, when someone turns off the TV and actually looks at you and has that conversation. When someone puts down the phone and doesn't just put it on the table, they, they put it away because their full attention is on you. Jesus sees that. And as Jesus looked at the crowd in this moment, he says he saw they were weary and worn out, distressed and dejected, and he was moved with compassion. And Jesus' compassion for people motivated the mission he was on and the message he proclaimed and lived. He had concern for their well-being. He loved people. His heart went out to them. And see, love is self-giving and selfless. Love is not self-serving and selfish. The people were like sheep without a shepherd. And they were hungry and thirsty for someone to help nourish them and give them rest. To lead them with the purest of intentions. Today, if you are someone who feels weary and worn out. Who feels distressed and dejected. I cannot emphasize enough that our Savior loves you. He cares for you. He's not left you alone and his heart goes out to you. He doesn't expect you to do what you can't do for yourself. He doesn't expect you to fix all all your problems. He 
he says, I'm here. And at the beautiful pattern that he sets with Matthew is that as he becomes the picture, as Matthew sees the picture, what becomes crystal clear is Jesus' pre- presence. Because he's not going to solve every problem instantaneously. He, he's, in the story, we, we see he heals disease. He has compassion. But his presence is what's important. And Jesus knew that they didn't just need a physical healing. They needed a spiritual healing as well. And so know that as you walk through this life, Jesus wants to be present with you. Which is why he wants to just go from a preference to a priority. Because his priority is you. His priority is you. And as Jesus invites people, invites us to go along on this journey, he says that there's a problem. He says, look, the harvest is abundant. There's all kinds of people who are like sheep without a shepherd, who don't know that they haven't been forgotten. And the workers are few. And so Jesus also, he gives us that solution. He says, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. See, the means by which the mission gets carried out, the means by which the message gets proclaimed in word, indeed, the means by which the motive of hearts gets transformed is prayer. It's prayer. Jesus, it, it starts with those who are following me to begin to pray for others, that people get more engaged in the work, to let them know that there is a good shepherd, that they don't have to live life in isolation. See, and that's why at Generations Church, we decided to, to start a new church, to, to form a new faith community. And I know that's not something everyone is called to. Everyone is called to make disciples, to help people understand what it looks like to follow Jesus in every aspect of their life. But it may be something that you are supposed to pray for. See, our world needs more laborers. It needs more people to get into the everyday things of life, to, to, to be proximate to people, to be people who are willing to open their mouth, to go and to share that God is seeking them. And we need to seek God and ask for more people to be raised up, equipped, and sent. Because you can't make someone convert. You can't force someone to have faith or trust in Jesus. Only the Lord of harvest can control the success of the harvest. But Christians in proximity who proclaim the message and live and love are few. We need more workers in the harvest fields. We need more people to live out love where they live, work, and play. See, that's where the harvest field is. Sometimes we, we, we think the harvest field is, is what we come to on Sunday morning for an hour. The harvest field is not within these four walls. The harvest fields are our communities, our schools, and our workplaces. The harvest field is outside the four walls of the church. And Jesus knows to the degree that more laborers get out into the harvest field is to the degree that more people come into his family. So church, let's get out of the, the, the storage. Let's get out of the grain bin and quit stirring stuff up around here. Let's get into the places where we live, work, and play. And know that Jesus is with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. William Carey, missionary, said to know the will of God, all you need is an open Bible and a map. Because when, God, when we pray, God sends. And what I love about this passage 
And, and even, let me encourage you, this is why I use a paper Bible for, for my personal study. I know we've got all in the day with electronics and stuff like that, but, but the story doesn't end at the end of Matthew chapter 9. Because if you look what Jesus does with his disciples, immediately as he challenges them to pray, he says, pray for more workers. He gathers those disciples together. And he says, guess what? I'm going to give you some of my authority. I'm going to breathe my Holy Spirit on you. And then he sends them out. And then he says, says, go to the towns and villages around us. Don't just stay here. You are sent there. You are sent. Pray for more workers. Guess what? Jesus says, you are those workers. Jesus sends out these 12 and he gives them the authority to preach, to teach, to heal. And he says, do what I have just shown you to do. For when we pray, God sends. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In Vancouver, the harvest is plentiful, and the workers are you. Do we realize that? That that sometimes we look around and go, oh yeah, there's a worker over there, there's a worker over there, and instead we need to look in the mirror. The workers are you. Because Jesus calls those disciples together and says, you... I've given you authority. I've given you power. You know who I am. So now let's go. Let's go tell people. Let's go bring the kingdom. Let's invite people to be a part of the family, to tell them that they can experience freedom, that they can experience love, and that they have a hope that transcends present circumstances. See, what it means to, to, to live sent, to, to, to put send over stay, is that we don't look at our jobs, we don't look at our schools, we don't look at the places we go on a regular basis as obstacles, as, as barriers, as inconveniences. We start to look at them as opportunities. Amen. That I've got a divine appointment to go there, to be there. Which means we may have to take a little bit more time when we go through the grocery store. Which means, and I, I know some of you are getting really used to wearing masks. Some of you still can't stand them. But it means instead of rushing through the checkout aisle just to get that mask off, we're going to look at the person's eyes in front of us. It means when we go, go through our favorite coffee spot, maybe we take another moment, ask them how their day is going. And not just because of casual conversation, but because we actually see them like Jesus sees us. Means means we're proximate and we're present because Jesus got proximate and present to us. And that's why it's such good news is because Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to earth to walk among us, to show us what it's like to truly be human. And we want to continue to find people. To, we want to pray for workers. And you are those workers. But we also know there's also workers out in the, in the harvest field. Which is why we're partnering with like Damien and Seeds of Greatness. Because we know there are workers out there that we can partner with who are like-minded and say, we want to see more people come in to God's family. So let's get on this. Let's partner together. We can do this together. Because we want to see that statistic of 90% change and go down. We want to see more people come into God's family. Which is why you can even go to our website and there's a button that says start something. Because we believe. God is at work in our community, even when we can't see it. And we want to join him and partner with him where he is working. Jesus sends out his disciples to do the very things he had done. And as we pray about others going, God changes our hearts. God changes our hearts when we begin to pray for workers. And we recognize 
that in some ways we're praying for ourselves. In Vancouver, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are you. So may your eyes be open to the mission, the message, and the motive, and the means by which Jesus made disciples. And here's how I want to close. Sometimes this can seem very like rah-rah and abstract, and it's like, how, how, how do I know where I'm supposed to go? And I just want to give you a couple questions to help you maybe write down a person or a place this week. So, so, so if you're like, yeah, I, I could do a lot of different things, let's just start with one. So here are the four questions. Where are you already going? Is it the work, store, with your family? And even if you were, are at home, I would encourage you to switch from consuming content via the scroll to actually connecting with people. So if you're online, move from consume to connect. But where are you already going? And two, where you, when you go, what are you proclaiming to people? What are the first things out of your mouth? What type of things are you sharing? Are you able to share that God is the authority of my life? That the relationships you build must not might lead to gospel conversations. What are you talking about? Are you complaining or are you pointing to Jesus? Question three, do you see those around you? I gave you an example of the grocery store. Do you take a moment to see those around you? Or do you feel like you're rushing from place to place? Reflection question four. Are you praying about the mission? If you feel like, and I, I know you said that I'm supposed to share. I, you know I'm supposed to go. I know I'm supposed to have a heart for other people, but I don't, I don't find myself there yet. Start with praying in your own life. As you pray about the mission, are you willing to support it? Because God changes your heart as you begin to pray. We're going to go into a time of response. And I just want to take a moment here. The reason we do this after our teaching time is because I believe that God speaks through his word. That, that he's got a word for you. And maybe it's something that came out of my mouth. Maybe it's something just that small, quiet whisper that God's tapping you on the shoulder right now. Maybe you need to respond to Jesus today and say, hey, I've been keeping that follow me at a distance. And you're saying today, now is time. We want to make today that day. But maybe you're someone who, is, who has said, okay, I've been following Jesus for a while. What I want you to do is I want you to write down a place or a person that you are going to write down to focus on to say, you know what? This week, I'm going to just take a little bit extra longer with them at that place or with that person. Maybe it came from clarity from the four questions. Maybe it was God stirred your heart a little bit earlier on. But I want you to write that down. And I want you to begin to pray for that place and for that person, where you go or who you'll spend time with. And here's the cool thing. Watch God work. Because guess what happens? When he sent those disciples out, there was a word that went out. And names and people and places were changed. And we at Generations believe that the workers are you. And that's why we say we're an everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come.
Let's pray. God, you are good. I pray that you put names and places in our hearts right now to give us clarity what, what we need to see, who we need to connect with, God, how we need to respond to you this morning. Thank you for your love and for your grace that you, you left up the comforts of heaven, came down to earth to show us what it looks like to live in your world, your way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.